0: Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I wasn't uh, very nervous about preaching this morning until Nathan was talking about how nervous he was. and Now I'm nervous now. That's okay. This passage is special to me. helped me greatly Uh, and at the time I don't think I fully understood understood the context and whatnot but the Lord certainly encouraged me with it and uh, hopefully it'll encourage you to to tonight I'll start reading we'll just read uh, see verses 1 through 13 or 1 through 12 together or uh, not together Says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above fourteen years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise, and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he he seemeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, and reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles though I be nothing. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your marvelous grace. We thank you that we are adopted into the beloved, that we know you because you first loved us and you gave yourself for us and you drew us unto yourself. We're thankful for the grace you bestowed upon us, the unmerited, undeserved grace of your blood, of your suffering, and Lord, we have so much to praise and thank you for, and we—we we would be so foolish to glory in our own self, in our own abilities, in our own, or just our, our pride. And Lord, we just thank you for the fact that you choose to enable and use just weak, sinful servants. And Lord, I pray that, that tonight you'd help me, that you'd use your word to. To encourage and strengthen hearts. In Christ's name I pray. And, um, many Christians would esteem Paul as the greatest missionary that's ever lived, it's kinda of hard to, to deny or to, to, to disavow that. You know, as you think about some of Paul's accomplishments, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant man. He was a Jew, he was a Roman citizen. So he had dual citizenship. He had a dramatic encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. Think about that. Here he is riding, going about to to persecute the church, and he sees the glory of God shown unto him. And he becomes blind and is just awestruck, and the Lord speaks to him. What a... What a great experience that must have been. You know God called him his chosen vessel to be an, to be an apostle. So God chose him chose to use him as his servant. You know he performed multitudes of miracles. He blinded a sorcerer. He caused lame men to walk, cast out demons, raise the dead, you Remember, he was bitten by a poisonous snake, and he just shook the snake off. You know, the people there that, were, that saw it were waiting for him to fall over dead, and he was fine. You know, he started multitudes of churches. He wrote 14 books of the Bible, if you include the book of Hebrews. And he tells us in this passage of another great, dramatic experience that he had, and he's, you know, he, he's not very clear about, you know, what it was. He says, you know, many commentaries believe it was, remember when he was stoned, I believe it was in Ephesus, that they thought he was dead. And uh, I don't know if it was a vision. The Bible's not very clear. But he had some dramatic experience. Of it, it seems like that he was caught up, or it says that he was caught up into heaven. And he saw heaven and heard unspeakable things that, that cannot even be uttered. You know, that's, that's quite a dramatic experience. I don't think any of us have been caught up into heaven and, and heard remarkable things. You know, it says things that cannot be uttered. I think the idea there is they can't even be understood by, by us. They're remarkable. You know, you remember John in the book of Revelation saw many things that that he did not disclose to us. I think that's sort of the same idea there. But Paul Paul was a great man. If any man had you know the the right to boast in his own abilities and his accomplishments and you know, his experiences, I think it would be Paul. I think I think we would say that you know, if anybody has the right to do that, it would be him. But Paul, in this passage, even though he's got people that are denying his apostleship in the church at Corinth, you know, think about that. You know, everybody knew about Paul. Everybody knew about you know his his miracles and they, you know, they knew the suffering and things that he endured. And yet people still denied his apostleship. You know, that's that's just amazing. It you know, reminds me of Jesus Christ. Performed many multitudes of miracles. Raised the dead, but yet people still denied him. But Paul, you know, Paul could have told these people you know, about all of his great accomplishments and gone on and on about his experience and how great he was and how the Lord chose him as his chosen vessel to serve him as an apostle. He could have gone on and on but instead, he, he chooses rather to tell us about a thorn he had in the flesh. He tells us of his own weakness. And he tells us of the grace of God. The first thing I want to focus on is, is this thorn that we read about in verse 7. Paul says, "...and I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh." The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now we don't know what this thorn was. People commentaries go on and on and on and on. Everybody's got their own opinion about what they think it was. I don't see any point in trying to figure that out. But you now there's a couple things that that I think are probably likely. But again, we don't know. You know the Bible talks about. Paul having bad eyes. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, the church there at Galatia, or, he, uh, G, or Paul mentioned it to the church at Galatia that he came to them uh, suffering some sort of infirmity, and he said that the people there would have plucked out their own eyes and given it to them, if given it to Paul if they, if they could have. So we know Paul had an eye problem. Other people believe he had some type of physical sickness, physical disease, because in Second uh, Corinthians ten ten it talks about they they said that his bodily presence was was weak and his speech was contemptible, which was weak. But again, we don't know, and I think there's a couple reasons why why the Lord or why Paul maybe doesn't disclose. Exactly what this thorn in the flesh was. You know, one reason I think that we can do is, is, or we can conclude is, is that we can. We're not just gonna, you know, if if they told us, if Paul told us what it was, we could easily just, oh, that's nothing. We could just quickly write Paul off. And another reason would be, you know, we can insert our own thorns our own infirmities because we all suffer from some type of infirmity we all suffer from some type of physical ailment that seems to buffet us we see the origin of the thorn verse 7 Paul calls it the messenger of Satan you know God allowed Paul to have this thorn inflicted. But God is not the author of of pain and suffering. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. So we think about Paul describing this thing as a thorn. This passage came to mind. When Adam sinned in the garden, And the Lord cursed the earth, the earth became cursed. It says in verse uh let's see we'll start in verse seventeen, and to Adam the Lord said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also And thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. So thorns there are a part of the sin curse. When we think of thorns, what do we usually think of? We think of pain. Now, if we're out hunting quail or we're walking through the woods and we come through a briar patch, thorns prick, they hurt. And sin, sin brought pain. Sin brought suffering. Sin brought these things. Now, in Matthew 27, we're told that Jesus had a crown of thorns plaited upon His head. And God's not the author of, of, of sin. God's not the author of pain. God's not the author of suffering. But here, as we're going to see, the Lord allows this pain. The Lord allows this thorn in His flesh and, and Paul's flesh but we see Paul's disdain for it. He doesn't like the thorn. Do, do any of us like thorns? I don't think so. If you like thorns, then you probably have got some issues. With it. Paul says in verse 8, he says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He didn't want it. He hated the thorn. And he pleaded three times to the Lord, Remove this thorn from my flesh, Lord. Now, Paul had healed, raised people from the dead by the power of God. He'd seen God do mighty works, mighty miracles. Now, the Lord could have easily, Paul knew the Lord could have very easily just taken this thorn away from him, whatever it was, whether it was some sort of blindness or or his eye problem, it doesn't matter, but the Lord could have taken that from him and healed him of it. Just like that. And as Paul pleads, as he begs, he just wants it gone. Now, I think any of us, all of us, could relate to having some type of thorn in our life that we do not like, that we've maybe asked the Lord to remove from us, that pricks us, that buffets us. Now, that word buffet, has the idea of striking. It's like Paul says, it strikes me right in the face, and he's living with it. And trials are thorns. Trials, they're discouraging things, hardship, pain that comes into our life. It's sometimes we don't want it. We don't want to go through these things anymore. We don't want to suffer with the problems that we're suffering with anymore. We just want the problem gone. We just want the pain. We just want the suffering. We just want the hurt to be gone. Now, I think of a multitude of people in the Bible that just wanted pain or just wanted suffering gone. Turn to Job chapter thirty. Nathan mentioned Job. This morning, Job was a Bible describes him as a perfect, upright man. It doesn't mean that he was sinless, but there wasn't anything you could go to Job and say, "Job, you have sin in your life, right there. You need to confess that." He was clean, but the Lord allowed again, as we as just as the Lord allowed Paul. To have this thorn inflicted into his flesh. The Lord allowed Job to go through this pain and this suffering. The Lord allowed Satan to take Job's family, his health, and his own wife, first told him to curse God and die. All of his wealth. And Job says in verse 15 of Job chapter 30, he says, "Terrors are turned upon me. "'They pursue my soul as the wind, "'and my welfare passes away as a cloud. "'And now my soul is poured out upon me. "'The days of affliction have taken hold upon me. "'My bones are pierced in me in the night season, "'and my sinews take no rest. "'But the great force of my disease is my garments change." It bindeth me about as a collar of my coat. He hath cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. And this is, this is Job saying that the Lord is doing this to him. I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me. With thy strong hand thou opposest thyself against me. Thou liftest me up to the wind. Thou causest me to ride upon it. And dissolve my substance. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living, howbeit he will not stretch out his hand to the grave, though they cry in his destruction. Now I think Job is just wishing he's just wishing he would just die. He's just wishing the Lord would just take his life. I and mean, he says that specifically in other passages. Did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? So he's saying I'm blameless. I, you know, I, I, I had sorrow for the poor and all this. And obviously his friends are accusing him of sin and all this. You know, some type of hidden sin in his life. And Job is saying, I, I, I have not. I'm clean. Job is telling the Lord, What have I done? what have I done to deserve this pain what have I done to deserve this why are you forsaking me why are why are you being cruel to me you know David in Psalm chapter 22 you don't have to turn there I'll just read a couple verses went through something very similar David said and this is you know this... Obviously, it's a a prophecy about Jesus Christ and the cross, but there's also application here for something in David's life. David said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. In the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. So again, now, David's saying, Lord, why, why have you forsaken me? Why are you allowing me to go through this struggle? Why aren't you helping me? Now Jesus himself did the same thing in the garden. He prayed to the Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? And before he was on the cross, what did he pray? He said, Lord, if it be possible, if there be any other way Remove this cup from Me. I don't want to drink it. I don't want to become sin for man. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to be forsaken by You. Nevertheless, what did Jesus say? Not My will, but Thine be done. You know, you can apply like I said, apply your own struggle, your own infirmity that you're struggling with to this passage. What infirmity, what thorn in the flesh do you have? Because next I want to look at God's purpose for allowing Satan to inflict these thorns in our life. Verses 7-7. 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, back at the passage. Paul said, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. Now Paul here mentions, he says, Lest I think that I am somebody great. Lest I be boasted or full of pride the Lord allowed this thorn to come into my life. God has a purpose for every affliction He brings into our lives. Romans 8.28 says, And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, them who are the called according to His purpose. We don't like the pain. We don't like thorns. We don't like trials. But you know, we're not God. We cannot see the beginning from the end. And that was God's, the whole last three chapters of the book of Job, that's what God was trying to teach Job. And though Job was a perfect and upright man, Job still had things to learn, and the Lord loved Job enough to bring him even further in his relationship with him. I don't think there was any, you know, after that, we don't, obviously, we don't have any record of any more affliction, but I think next time a hardship came into Job's life, I don't think he had any problem trusting the Lord about it. I can say that in my own life, not that I don't ever struggle with that, but I have grown from things. There's trials and hardships that I have gone through where now I know the Lord's going to see me through. And we can all say that. I'm sure if we've been born again for any amount of time, we can all say we've gone through some type of hurt, some type of suffering that has been good for us. That Job was sanctified by the suffering. Think about David. David became the greatest king that the world's ever seen. Well, Maybe Solomon was probably greater, but think about his accomplishments. And how the Lord used him. He was a man after God's own heart. The Bible mentions David more than anybody else. Maybe more than Jesus, I'm not really sure. If it's not, it's pretty close to it. You know, David's a type of Christ. God has purpose in pain. God has purpose in suffering. You know, and Paul, Paul could have gone on and on. These these reprobates that were denying his apostleship, he could have gone on and on talking about all of his great experience. He could have gone on to explain this great revelation that he had, where he was taken up into the third heaven. No, he no, he says whether I was in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He said the Lord knoweth. But it was it was miraculous. And he could have gone on he could have told everybody about, you know, that he was a Jew. That he was, you know, we know Paul's qualifications. In fact, turn to chapter, uh, actually it's in uh, chapter 11. He mentions a couple. He says, are they Hebrews speaking of the people that are denying his apostleship? Are they Hebrews? So am I, are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, and labor's more abundant, and stripe above measure, and prisons more frequent and deaths often. Of the Jews, now he goes, he shifts, and goes and starts talking about all of these different sufferings and hardships he's gone through. Of the Jews five times received thy forty stripes save one. No, forty stripes was the death sentence. So when he says forty stripes save one, he's saying minus one, thirty-nine, almost to the brink of death. Thrice was I beaten with rods; once was I stoned; thrice I suffered shipwreck; a night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeys often, and perils of water, and perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea and perils among false friends, and perils everywhere. <laughs> Suffering, pain that he endured, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities." Paul goes on to glory. He says he's going to glory in his infirmities and his sufferings and his pain and his hardships. And we may say, why? Why would would Paul choose to to talk about this thorn in the flesh in this context? Why would he choose to, to prove his apostleship by talking about pain and hardship and sufferings? And the reason being is that Paul is saying it's only by the grace of God that I've done, that I can be an apostle, that I've done any of these things. Now, John fifteen five says, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For with me ye can do nothing. Now, who was it that gave Paul the great wisdom that he had? Who was it that made Paul a Jew? Who was it that made him a, a Roman citizen as well? Who was it that made him know all these languages and, and, and be able to be so articulate? Was it not the grace of God? And Paul is saying, you know, I could prove to you by all these things that I'm an apostle, but no one is greater. Look at all these sufferings. Look at all these hardships. God's grace is sufficient, and hardships teach us to be dependent upon God. Psalm 42, verses 3-5 through 5 says, is, the psalmist says, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God. With a voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted? In me, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. The psalmist here recognises God is his help. You Note, know, Paul goes on to say. That he will rather glory in infirmities, so that the power of Christ may rest upon him. Now we have a choice that we can make when hardships, when thorns appear in our flesh. Now, how many? You, I don't know how many of you ever split wood. You ever had a thorn get in your finger? You you don't want to do anything else other than get the thorn out of your finger. And the reason being is that you can't work properly with the thorn in your finger. It prohibits you from doing the tasks that you feel like you need to do. And Paul here, you know, Paul could have gone on, and, you know, he's, as he pleads with the Lord and says, Lord, take this thing from me, God says, no, my grace is sufficient. It's not about your strength, Paul. You can, you can. It is my grace is enough. You can endure that thorn, because what you do for me is because I enable you, is because I give you help, because I strengthen you. My grace is enough. While we may say that our trials and our hardships are too great, that we can't endure them any longer. We may say that, that we cannot effectively serve God in this manner. You now I think about somebody like Fanny Crosby. She didn't think that way with her blinded eyes. That's wrong. That's wrong thinking. God says here in His Word, His grace is sufficient. The word su- "sufficient" means to be possessed with unfailing strength. It, it it doesn't fail, and God doesn't just leave His children. He never abandons His children, and leaves them without hope. When we feel like we cannot live any longer. With this thorn, with this hardship, with this infirmity that we're struggling with, we can. But not because we're something strong, because God will give us the grace to endure. Turn to First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. It says, "There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it." It doesn't even say that that you know that that will just take it away. You'll be able to bear it. And the Lord's answer to and, our, and sometimes we pray. And by the grace of God, the Lord will remove these thorns. He'll remove these, these hardships in our lives that, that maybe do prevent us from, from serving Him. But sometimes, the Lord says, no, that's there for a purpose. This pain that you're going through, this hardship that you're going through, it has a purpose. My grace is enough. Hebrews thirteen five and 6 says, let your conversation be without covetousness, And be content with such things as ye have. For he saith, or for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We often think of covetousness as, I want this violin, or I want this thing. But it could also work the other way. We could be discontent. I don't want this struggle in my life anymore. I don't want this pain. I don't want this hurt. I don't want this suffering. The Bible says to be content with such things as we have. What the Lord has given us, what the Lord has brought us to, no matter how difficult the situation may be, no matter how much we may hurt, We can be content knowing that God's grace is enough. So Paul says he's going to glory in the thorn. He says in verse 9, My grace is sufficient for my strength to be perfect. So Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul chose to glory in his infirmities because they proved the grace and strength of God in his life. Because that thorn he could endure. You know, 2 Corinthians 11 23-30 we just read about these different sufferings and hardships and things that he went through. How can how can somebody go through something like that and and still be living or still be able to to, to do the work of the ministry? It's it's unexplainable how, how Paul did what he did. It's because of the grace of God. It wasn't him doing it. It was God doing it through him. So Paul... Says, I'm going to glory in that instead. And he goes on to say, Why? Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress. So, all those things that he's been going through. For when I am weak, then am I strong. It seems like a contradiction. How, how can you be strong when you're going through all of these things? It, it sort of goes back to a little bit what Howard was talking about this morning. There's the temporal and then there's the eternal. Depends on how you look at it. Is the Lord going to perfect you? Sanctify you through these hardships? Is He going to teach you to be reliant upon Him through these hardships? Paul recognized that, yes. Yes, they do. And he shows the glory in them instead. Philippians 3, verses 2 through 8, tell us that Paul talks about his great uh, qualifications and things. And he says, I count my qualifications as dung, as a pile of manure. He recognized that. It was God that was working in him. That it wasn't his own strength. It wasn't his own power. It wasn't in his abilities. It wasn't in his great experiences. It was in God. Now, Where would we be without thorns that have come into our lives? Now, As I look back on the thorns and hardships that have come into my life, I wouldn't change any of them. Now, if I could go back and change sinful, wicked decisions that I made, yeah, I would try to do that. But the hardships that I've gone through, difficulties that I've gone through, I wouldn't change a single one of them. Because those hardships have made me who I am in Christ today. So while they hurt, while they're difficult to endure, God has a purpose in them. Where would we be without the grace of God? We certainly wouldn't have an eternal inheritance. We wouldn't be adopted. So I ask you, what do you glory in? Do you glory in, what do you count valuable? Your own skill set, your own ability to sing, to do, to preach, to exposit, I don't know, to give, maybe it's money. What do you glory in? We ought to forget about all that and just give glory to God. Because God's grace is so much greater. God's grace is so much better. And God's will is far better than what whatever plan we can conjure up for our lives. And if we want to be used by the Lord, we don't we don't have to as as Christians, we don't have to to you know be braggadocious. you know it can be tempting to look down at the world and say, well you know look where they are they're homosexuals, those, those wicked sinners over there or those drug addicts over there they don't know how to work those, they're on welfare, they're on this, they're on that. It is only by the grace of God that we are not in the same position. So what do you glory in? do you glory in yourself? Or do you choose rather to give glory to God? Give glory to him.